American Craftsman Podcast is proud to partner with Montana Brand Tools. The West was built by people with strength and great pride in their workmanship. It was a necessity that early settlers of Montana have a strong will, a resilient character, and great determination to tame the rugged landscape while adapting to its dramatic climate. That spirit, made in the USA pride and craftsmanship, is alive today, both in how Montana Brand Tools are manufactured and how they perform. Montana Brand Power Tool accessories are manufactured utilizing proprietary, state-of-the-art CNC machining equipment and the highest quality materials available. Montana Brand Tools are guaranteed for life to be free of defects in material and workmanship because we build these tools with pride and determination. Montana Brand Tools are manufactured by Rocky Mountain Twist, located in Ronan, Montana. Montana Brand's heritage comes from a long line of innovative power tool accessories. Use coupon code American Craftsman for 10% off your order at MontanaBrandTools.com. Well, here we are. Let's not waste any time with the rock right into us. Yeah, just jump Woo! in. Episode 44 of the American Craftsman podcast. We, uh, we've been running around all day. We I know. It feels un- good yeah. just to settle in now. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. Kind of under the gun with, uh, you know, getting things lined up for this delivery tomorrow and stuff with yeah. picking up a U-Haul and all that. So doing the podcast a little bit early today, about an hour and a half earlier than we usually start. So I'm going to pick up the U-Haul tonight for tomorrow. Then tomorrow we'll haul it. Well, yeah. <laughs> Won't that be nice? <laughs> you always feel classy when you ride in one of those yeah. uh, you haul trucks. Nothing instills confidence in your client like <laughs> pulling up in a rented, run-down vehicle. <laughs> they promised to give us the cream of the crop, though, you know. That's true. It's going to say, like, uh, greetings from Tennessee or something like on the a, side. Like a lizard. Yeah. <laughs> No, it'll have like a an acoustic guitar or something yeah, yeah. from Nashville, Tennessee. Music yeah, City. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anywho, listen, August seventh, two thirty p.m. The official American Craftsman Podcast meetup. Yeah, at Belford Brewing Company in uh, Belford, New Jersey. You know, yeah. just about what a mile from the shop. Yeah, yeah, real close. Um. So I'm going to have to make some kind of Facebook event or something. I don't know. Do people still use Facebook? And just, I don't know. So we can try and get some kind of head count uh, just so I can let them know. I mean, they could fit up to 100 people. I don't foresee there being 100 people. No. But uh, we get uh, two dozen or so, I'd be happy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're going to uh, we're gonna have 36 glasses, these glasses, that we're going to give to the first 36 if there's, you know, yeah. hopefully... Hey, it'd be cool if there's more than 36. Oh, yeah. And But if you want a glass, show up early. Um, so they're open. They're only open until, uh, I think, 6 o'clock. So that's why we're doing it early. We we're going to do four originally. but um, So, yeah, 2.30, Belford Brewing Company on uh, Leonardville, Leonardville Road yeah. in Belford, New Jersey. Do they have food there? No. Um, we were thinking about trying to figure <coughs> something out with that. Yeah. Maybe there's a place next door, Pueblo Magico, which is... Really good Mexican. We got big mics up the road, so we'll uh, maybe I'll try and start the event and I'll pick people's brains and see. Yeah, yeah. If we especially if we get a head count, we can maybe get an idea yeah. on what to bring in there for uh, noshing. Just you know, pack your pockets with uh, pretzels, peanuts. Yeah, half pound or two of Black Forest ham. <laughs> Not those chocolate covered <laughs> variety. They'll melt in your pocket oh, yeah. today. M and M's. That's why they're invented. Yeah. 
And then also next week, which didn't realize it was next week, uh, at 11 Eastern on Tuesday, July 13th, we got the Patreon live stream, a live design workshop. So our buddy Jerry, who's one of our patrons, he's going to he's gonna be on the other end, and we're mm. going to live design and go back and forth. A, oh, cool. A, a piece for him. He's going to be the test subject. So we're going to show you guys live how we go about, and I, you know, Rob will be the one <laughs> primarily. He's the design guru. Um, I'll play uh, switch switchboard guy. Yeah. So yeah, if you want to check that out, join the Patreon. Links in the description. Uh, that goes. Uh, that's available to any tier patron. Oh, cool! All cool. the way from three dollars, three dollars a month. So. Uh, yeah, we'd love to have you on that. It'll be our second live stream. This is something that we're doing quarterly, so mm-hmm. four times a year. Um, we ask the patrons, what do you want us to talk about? And uh, design is what they pick. So That's going to be fun. Yeah. Does Jerry know what he's gotten himself into? I think, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think he said it's, he has like a little butler's pantry. Oh, yeah, there we go. Correctly. So I'm going to see if Jerry wants a butler's pantry. It's going to have like some of that beadboard. And lab, the uh, white inset with really skinny yeah. rails and styles. We just. Yeah. Because nine out of ten times when a room like that appears, it's they'll give us a picture of something and go, oh, can you do something like this? Yeah. Or it's identically like, like this. Yeah. If it's a mud room, forget about it. Yeah. Butler's pantry, I could see maybe yeah. going like wood, some people. Yeah. Um, even like homes that I worked in that were like super custom homes, but even custom homes are cookie cutter as hell. Yeah. White kitchen, butler's pantry. Okay, we're doing walnut. Oh, nice. But we'll see. We'll see what Jerry wants. All right. Um, kind of went out of order here, but I guess let's get to the beer of the week. Yeah. It's hot out there. It's about, it's 90 right now. They said it feels like 100. Let me get my, uh, I keep forgetting about the B-roll video. Now, turn her sideways. This week we have a larger brewer than usual. Yes. Still small, but, you know, relatively speaking. So, yeah, this week we have Yingling Traditional Lager. Mm hmm. Original Amber Beer, brewed in Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Isn't that home of Zippo as well? Is it? I yeah. didn't know that. America's oldest brewery. Uh, that's the part I knew. This is a special edition. Team Red, White, and Blue, Enriching Veterans' Lives. Ah, that's what the RWB stands for. There you go. So we actually, we got three of these. Cause I'm just gonna focus. Um, I forget that when I turn my head back there that the mic's not picking up the sound. Uh, yeah, because one, it looks awfully small in these glasses. These are 16-ounce yeah. glasses. So at the meetup, they'll literally be pouring beer into these glasses, so uh, you know, it's got a nice golden color. Now I remember in college, I went to school in West Virginia, and uh, I guess maybe they had just begun distributing to West Virginia. Like Yingling was only in thirteen states at that point, so I don't know how many it's in now, but but it's not not available everywhere. That's kind of like what the story of Smokey and the Bandit's based on, you know. I thought that was like moonshine or something. No, that was 
Coors, I think. Oh. And they couldn't get it west of the Mississippi uh, or something to that regard. Or east of the Mississippi. Right, right. That's Much what it was. the chagrin of old Deadwood. <laughs> uh, as may, my phone is may, still recording. May he rest in peace. <laughs> now, this 12-ouncer went... We'll have to drink some and then and then pour more. Yeah. Mine did all right. Cheers. Cheers to you, my Cheers friend. Cheers to all you. That's a decent regular beer. Yep. That's what I'll say. The head or the foam, as they say. Kind of has that cheap beer taste. <laughs> like getting through that down to the yeah, beer you itself. You got to get to the like, beer. Mm, that tastes like cheap beer. This almost tastes like like Coors Regular. <laughs> like, uh, you know, Coors Banquet beer. Yeah. It kind of yeah. tastes like that. Yeah. That's what the, the real cowboys drink. We'll let these settle out. So let us know if you guys have uh, had Yingling. Yeah, I think it's a mostly a Northeast and and uh, well, I think the whole East Coast now is sort of they probably get it. Yeah, because I I've heard people that are from like Florida and stuff talking about like Yingling. Um, yeah, it just tastes like a regular. I mean, I guess well, whatever. Screw the format. I'm talking about the beer now. Um, it just tastes like sort of like a regular beer, but it's got more maltiness to it. You know? Yeah, it's pretty crisp. I yeah, yeah, it's definitely, um, you know, it's not like packed with flavor, but it's, it's got a lacy white head. Yeah. Pillowy. <laughs> well, this week's uh, Tool of the Week... We don't physically have it present. It's too big. Yeah, and it was all tied into into the table. But this this also, uh, oh, well, now it's the second question because I messed up. But ties into our what will make the first question. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you want to read the question. And, or... uh, sure, I will. It's what do you think about the new Contouro? That's from our patron Jerry, G.A. Woodshop on Instagram. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Um, and I, I know I would love it if we hadn't had the experience with that sort of semi-budget model, Mm -hmm. but after trying out something that's, you know, that a lot of people would probably opt for because of the cost and all those things, that's one of the knocks on the, on the Festool line of tools is they are expensive. Um, but... (laughs) It's like another world, another universe of machinery compared to the first one. Yeah, I was saying it's like, uh, you know, the other one's like a rock. Yeah. And then this one's like uh, not even a hammer. It's like something better than a hammer. Cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> it's because now the old one had, you know, they all kind of operate the same way. From the big machines to the handheld ones. Mm-hmm. Something applies glue to the tape, 
and there's some kind of pressure roller, and then there's a feed, whether that's you or, right. you know, or, the machine yeah. itself. Yep. And the two pieces meet, the wood or, you know, the substrate and the tape with mm -hmm. the glue on it meet. And on the other end, it's the it's edge banded. Right. Um, so the contour, it, it's again, if you've had fest tool tools, they're just they're so nifty in how they figure out how to do the little things right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can guarantee with a fest tool that that almost everything has been very well thought out. Yeah. Um, that was the biggest thing about the Contouro. So we had this, the CBC Flex from Moxiwa, and it, we like, got it to work on some shelves mm -hmm. and stuff. And it was like, well, this is like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, it is putting the edge banding on there. There's some extra glue, and it's kind of finicky trying to figure out, like, how much glue, and there's no, the adjustment is just like a, a infinitely turning <laughs> wheel. Right. It's like we got it figured out, and then we start to edge band the TFL for the tree job, and it it's not not working, having issues with the glue and the it's heating. It. The temperature is going out of control. Now, granted, they sent us a replacement part, but it was not working to the point where I'm not going to open this thing up, start replacing a major component. It's a temperature controller. It's the main, it's the brain of this whole mm -hmm. thing. Um, so we needed something on such short notice. Like, that's the thing about Festool is you can buy it with confidence and know that it's going to work. Like, it wasn't a question of, well, should we try the Contouro, see if it works? No, we know it's going to show up, and you just, plug it in. We just got to pay for it. Yeah, and it only took us, what, six 18-inch runs of practice runs mm -hmm. to get get yeah. down yeah. using it? Yeah, it's... Um, it, they just... They simplify a complicated tool all the time. Yep. Um, so... We really dig the Contouro. We got, we haven't really tried it freehand yet because we bought the table. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's like, a, it's like an edge banding machine. It really is. Yeah. The only difference is we have to feed the material. Uh huh. Um, or sort of guide it. Yeah. It does technically self yeah. feed, but yeah, you gotta, you know, just make sure it doesn't get hung up kind of. Right. The genius, I feel, uh, of the Contouro, well, one of the really cool things is how they apply the glue to the tape. Yeah, that's the main difference is with all these other machines, the Moxiwa, um, I'm trying to think of what other brands there are that do that. Well, like the machines like a Grizzly or something like that. That Yeah, like, yeah, like the Viratex, the, Gri the Grizzly. There's a bunch of different branded Oliver has one, uh, uh, Felder, and they're, they're all very similar. They mm -hmm. look, all, they all look, you know, basically identical. They have a, like a chocolate fountain. Yeah. The glue <laughs> climbs up a roller, yeah. and then you push the work into the roller, and it applies the glue to the workpiece. Looks like tahini, though. Yeah. <laughs> the cool thing about the Festool is it actually, the tape comes past, it puts glue onto the tape, and then the tape goes onto the piece. Yeah, and it puts on the... Glue through these little tiny sprayer jets. Yeah, and it, it puts lines of glue. Mm -hmm. So when you press it, when you burnish it against the feed roller, it presses everything flat, and you get a nice even disbursement yeah, of glue. Yeah. These other ones, I and mean, granted, we've only used the Moxiwa, 
aside from we've used automatic edge banders, um, running the piece into the glue. <laughs> yeah, that's where the problem yeah, lies. Was, so you almost need to account for like a glue snipe or something, a piece yeah. that you have to like cut off because you know if the temperature's not consistent, you're getting differing consistencies in the glue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to do the adjustment so that when it runs into this roller. You're not getting all kinds of squeeze out on the top and bottom. Yeah, um, there is a, a little bit of squeeze out with the Festool, but yeah, it all minimal. yeah, it all just uh, falls to the lower part of the roller that's beneath the table, and yeah. and you literally can just pick it off. Yeah, you use their proprietary glue, which is in like this puck form. Yep, um, and you don't just dump it in like a, a hopper. Like uh, the other things. It's like, like even, fed by a plunger. Yeah. So it's pressure extruded out of the holes of this thing yeah. that I shut mean, off depending <laughs> on the height adjustment. It's it's an amazing it's an amazing bit of kit, as they yeah, say. Yeah. Um, so we, we thoroughly enjoy it. We love our festival stuff. Yep. Um, we're not uh, fanboys. Like we have all, we have a lot of Makita things in the shop. Mm-hmm. Um we we have uh, lesser expensive things like the Veritas measuring stuff and yeah, I have yeah. a couple of planes. Um, so we're not uh, total snobs when it comes to that stuff yeah, at no. all. I'm not going out buying Festool drills. No, no. We have we have little Bosch 12 or like volters. A oscillating tool, you know, stuff like that. The Festool stuff, I'm sure, is very, very nice, but, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I, their specialty stuff is where, they, where it really shines. Routers, yeah. sanders. Stuff like the Contouro. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even the MF, we got the MFT table, so you can, you can edge band, you know, parts that are 45 degree. That's right. Down an edge. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, that machine is nice. Yeah. So, that's the Contouro. That's the tool of the week. Go out and pick one up. Yeah, we'll have a link in the description, an affiliate link. So if you buy one, we'll probably get like about two dollars and fifty cents. <laughs> you know, we should we should shout out to uh, the guys that got it. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So we called Toolnut. They're up in New York, about uh, 80, 90 miles north of us, and it was one thirty on a. Was that a Thursday? The day of the week doesn't matter. Yeah. And we said, listen, you know, we're in a pinch. We got to get this, this, uh, I think it was a Wednesday. We got to get this edge bander, uh, because the one that we have just, it's not working. And we, we, we had to finish that tree by the end of the week. Yeah. Cause we told the client basically that we would. Um, so we said, yeah, you know, we're trying to figure out if, uh, if you guys would be able to get it out to us quick or if we drive up there, you know, what's going to be faster. And they said, all right, listen, we're going to. It was 1.30. Mm-hmm. We're going to get it out today. We had it the next day, 10 a.m. Yeah. And that's when I went out and found it. It might have been out yeah. there from 9. Right. Um, Amazing, because we're still waiting for stuff. <laughs> it was UPS. If it was FedEx, we'd probably still be waiting for it. We're still waiting for things that shipped out before that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the supply chain is really... Uh, it's it's not what it used to be, huh? No, no. I mean, we got packages held up at port in China. Yep. Good old China. Yeah. That's the rope. Yeah, yeah. That's a story for another day. 
All right. So uh, are we ready for the, uh, the the first, second question? The first, second question is from one of our newest patrons and our uh, inaugural female patron. Yeah, unless, I mean, we also have yeah. a, a patron named Kim. So I don't, don't know. know. It could be a man or it could be a woman. We're going to have to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So Mary Beth. <laughs> I know Mary Beth. So this is why I'm laughing. This is our question. This is Mary Beth. Answer me these questions three. What is your name? What is your quest? And what is the capital of Assyria? <laughs> I had to look this up. I'm sure half of you are giggling and the other half are scratching their heads. You're like, what, what is that in reference yeah, I'm to? Like, this, I'm like, I know this has got to be from something. Yeah. Um, from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. Which I have seen, but, you know, I haven't uh, digested it well enough to be able to quote it like yeah. that. <laughs> so um, the, the hard part is the capital. Yeah. <laughs> I had yeah, to look Assyria that up too. Dissolved in the 7th century. <laughs> yeah, so um it's Assur, A S S U R uh, is yeah. the capital of Assyria. And then what was that other big city? Well, there was Nineveh. Nineveh, yeah. Nineveh um, sounded very familiar. Yeah. Um and uh it, it's it was basically in the the fertile crescent, mm -hmm. that area referred to as uh you know like the cradle of civilization. The bur yeah, the uh yeah. Northern Iraq and um, Turkey. Turkey, yeah. Uh, yeah, and what's now Syria. Yep. Uh, so your name, we know that. We're Jeff and Rob. What's our quest? The quest. <laughs> depends, depends what time of day. <laughs> yeah. We're out here trying to change the world. Yeah. Well, you know, in all seriousness, we, we try to make the world a, a better place by, uh, you know, just being as uh, good a people as we can be and doing as good a work as we can. You know, we, we put a lot of stock in that. Yeah, and I'd say, uh, you know, trying to educate. Not that we're the end-all, be-all source of information because we're, we, there's... We're students. You know, yeah, thousands and... Ten, probably tens of thousands of people that know more than we do. Um, but we try and pass along the information that we have, you know, because we're so thirsty for information. Mm -hmm. So to have, you know, a, a source of information is great. Even like clients, you know, we went to this client's house today. He's got a table that he bought on Etsy that cracked because, you know, the construction was improper. And uh, we're going to fix it with a bow tie on the bottom side. But, you know, we took the time to, you know, explain the reasonings. And, and I mean, right. we have in-depth conversations about the how and why with people when really we could just say, yeah, we're going to fix it. We'll be back next week. Right. And because it's a little job. It's yeah. Not I mean, you're talking a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, but we enjoy meeting people that show an interest mm -hmm. in what we do and, and in in the craft world in general. Right. And a, an educated client is a good client yeah, because yeah. they understand, um, you know, he bought this table on Etsy from some guy in Texas for like 2000 bucks. I'm like, listen, this guy is, that's a hobby Yeah, because you can't sell it for that and make a profit. No, 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 you can't make you live in that way. So even that is educating the client, you know? Yeah. Like, because 
Because he's at, he's like, oh yeah, like what you know, what would it cost if you guys built this table? <laughs> we didn't want to say at first. Yeah. <laughs> um, because when you when you talk to a client, you don't want them to have unfair expectations of what is possible. Mm-hmm. So if they're educated on the process and the cost and all those things, it makes your job easier. Yeah. Yeah, we'd have done it, you know, a little bit differently. We could maintain that style, which he enjoys. Yeah. But it's funny, he called it a farmhouse table, but to me it was more contemporary. Yeah, because of the angles of everything. And how but, thin the top was. You know, farmhouse table, I'm you thinking inch and a half yeah. thick top. And the angles and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, he expected the top to be thicker. Yeah. Seven ace. It looked looked so thin. Yeah. Cause uh, you know we're usually working. Plus, we were working on those those tops that are much thicker. Inch and three quarter. Yeah. 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 All in all, nice table though. Yeah, I thought so too. Hell of a deal at twenty five hundred bucks or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Um. So our names, our quest, and the capital of Assyria for everybody. Uh, I'll uh, repeat that: Assura. 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 Yes. Um, we all learn something every day, don't we? <laughs> Try to. <laughs> Got a next question here coming in from Vince, one of our patrons, Rob Vince P on Instagram. Uh, Brooklyn boy, is Rubio monocoat really one coat? Do you like it more than or have had any experience with Osmo? I haven't had any experience with Osmo. Me have either. you? No. Well, I mean, we've we've used it and put on one coat. On some samples, I think we've tried adding coats. Yeah, to try and, like, get a, a darker color. Yeah. Or a more uh, saturated sort yeah. of look. Like on little sample blocks, we've tried. We've experimented. With limited success. Yeah. You know, it doesn't really but want it, to take yeah. anymore. In all the furniture we've done, we've just put on that one coat. Yeah. Um, and buffed it out. Mm-hmm. Now, I've heard of people putting on more than one coat. Um, I don't know what their success or failure in that was. Mm-hmm. but Doesn't, Don't I mean, they say something on the, Yeah, that's the whole thing. One coat. I, mean, I think you really need to just get a good coat. Yeah. The application is, is key. Yeah, it's like anything. If you see a, like any um, of these penetrative finishes, if you see a dry spot when you're finishing, you need to work. Mm-hmm. Work more finish into there. Yeah, yeah. Um. So I'm guessing that Vince hasn't really tried it. Uh, he's skeptical. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, because it sounds appealing, right? If you're, especially if you're, you know, elbow greasing three, four, five, six coats of something on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think people um, think of Rubio like it's this this cure-all where it's like yeah. man i've spent all this time finishing i could just put this on and it it doesn't give you it's like any of these uh like these are just tongue oil yeah. it doesn't give you the protection of a uh, of other finishes so don't think of it as like yeah it's i'm gonna put one coat on it's gonna be the same as polyurethane yeah it, it's not that it doesn't have that deep of a of feel to it to me either yeah you know because it's one coat yeah I mean, is it does it does a good job for one coat? Yeah, you, know, you have to you have to say that. Yeah, I'd say for low, uh, like, not low use, but you know, for things that don't get handled a lot, like a bed frame or something mm-hmm. like that, it's fine yeah. because it doesn't 
you're not touching it constantly or we're putting, you know, glasses on it. It's like anything. It's a it's a finish that requires maintenance. True. So, uh, to answer your question, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I say follow, always follow manufacturer recommendations. Yeah, they're, pre- they're pretty thorough, too. Yeah. Rubio has some thorough instructions on yep. the can. All right. Uh, this is from Miles, patron, eat, drink, wine guy on Instagram. And he's asking, who is someone on YouTube, Instagram, or that you know that you would like to do some sort of collaboration with? What would that collaboration be? I like that question. Yeah. Now, the first person that pops into my mind is John Peters. I yeah. mean, we've yeah. we've uh, worked with John before, done, I don't know, maybe half a dozen little videos and yeah. stuff in the shop. Yeah, he's but, fun. Uh, we haven't had the chance to, like, have John in the shop to actually build something. Mm-hmm. And I think because we already have, you know, a rapport and a friendship that it would be it'd be a lot of fun to actually like, yeah. have John in the shop for a week and work together and uh, and have something a little more long format. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to pull one out only based on the time we spent together on our podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, wow, Willie. Yeah. Because first off, he's he's done an amazing amount of stuff yeah. that's, you know, and every time I hear him say something, it's like, man, I, I've never done anything like that. Yeah. Man, I've never done anything like that either. He's all over the place in yeah. terms of, of building furniture and even being a musician, all those mm-hmm. kind of things. Uh, so I would say him, plus he's really a character too. Oh, yeah. Um, so it would be a real entertaining time and educational as well. So that's where I'm going. And wh- what's his, uh, what's Willie's handle or whatever? How would somebody... Wild Willie's Woodshop. Wild Willie's Woodshop. Yeah, he's Boy, been a little, little um, MIA on uh, social media. Mm-hmm. We did, I talked to him, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago. Yeah, people should check him out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And John Peters got his Instagram back. Yep. He's yeah. John Peters underscore. Yeah. Uh, somebody uh, hijacked it there for yeah. half a minute. All too common these days, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Put on two-step two verification on your accounts. Yeah. Uh, so that was a good question. Yeah. I had one here coming in from Brian at Great Point Woodworks on Instagram. Have you guys done much using old reclaimed lumber? Um... Uh, back in the olden days, I did two jobs. Talking 1800s, 1700s. <laughs> Early 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, the, I had a request specifically for reclaimed um, pine to be used in a kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was when our old buddy Larry Hutt Bastard. still worked up there at Eastern Hardwoods. And he got me these beams out of a place in Newark, of all things, because now we're in Newark and we see all the gentrification going on. It was a a warehouse that was about 200 years old, and these were beams, big 12-by-12 beams, and he had it re-sawn into boards for me. 
So it had all like the nail. I mean, is you saw it? Oh yeah, full of nail holes and and worm holes, Those iron and, stains from the nails. Yeah, it, I mean, it was uh, truly, you know, beam type wood, and that was that was kind of fun uh, because it kind of left you a little bit of creative license. You know, we're so worried about all of the defects in the wood oh, yeah. and everything yeah. that that was really a nice vacation from that. Yeah. I think I just got a dent on the corner. No big deal. <laughs> and one other thing I did was um, for uh, my now friends, Carlos, it was Carlos and Michelle at the time, they wanted some sort of like seat that uh, was by their front door. And I made it out of a hunk of a, I don't even know, a, I don't even know if you could call it a beam because it was about two feet wide and about a foot thick. And I just got went out to like a mill and got mm -hmm. this hunk of it, and that's when I bought that plane. <laughs> what plane? That scra uh, uh, scraper plane, because yeah. I thought, you know, that's how I was going to flatten it. Oh, oh god! You know, because I flattened one side by hand. You're because, on the wrong spectrum. Yeah, of, uh... this is this was early on. I didn't know uh, what was what, mm -hmm. um, but I wound up flattening that with just a jack plane. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's it. That's my whole reclaimed wood story. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. I built those railings. Oh, for... yeah, yeah. Now, this is like reclaimed <laughs> wood that, that didn't end up as something that was like supposed to look reclaimed. Um, so I built these curved cedar railings for this guy. That's a shop we... <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna There's have a to lot of stories there. you're gonna have to tell the side story yeah. eventually i think we i think we did talk yeah. about that one time <laughs> the shop we used to work in with uh quote-unquote tom uh this guy who who tom used to do work for he's like a commercial contractor we did you know some restaurants and stuff like that he for his house needed these railings replaced so um we went rob and i took him out brought him back to the shop and he somehow on a building he was working on got these big pieces of cedar that were uh it was like probably 12 or 16 quarter by 12 inches so uh cut it up jointed it planed it and cut the big curved rail yeah it was a of, big arch in the whole thing i mean it, it was it really was like an s curve yeah um so yeah i mean that's really the only i've messed around with some of that pine that you had left over <laughs> the like, last boards are back in the back 40. Yeah. <laughs> it's It got all pithy and everything. Yeah. It was no good. We have a couple of drawer fronts in the shop, and they actually, two of them stuck, and I was trying yeah. to plane. Oh, and yeah. It was just like, yeah. <laughs> like turning into like uh, <laughs> dust in the mouth of yeah. my plane. I couldn't even plane it. I busted out the spoke shave. It could barely plane it. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, I don't think, yeah, other than that. That was another Tom. Yeah. Tom K. Yeah, we we went out there to install. He was pretty nice to us. Yeah, he said, "Oh yeah, you guys need anything? Let me know." And then he locked the devil <laughs> on the door. <laughs> if you need anything? Go somewhere else. Yeah, if you need anything, <laughs> you got my cell phone number, right? Yeah. No, we don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go around, walk around back, walk to the front of the house, and ring the doorbell. <laughs> oh man, but. And it, it's also it's it's expensive too that that wood. Yeah, especially now. 
you know, you used to be able to get it for less, but mm-hmm. became it was in it's in vogue, as yeah. they say. Like the the counters were building for Newark. Originally, they were interested in something more rough, you know, live, edgy, rough yeah, song, yeah. and it was actually easier for us to just do a, a nicely finished, thick countertop out of solid wood. Yeah, I think they. They were going for the same thing that we gave them just with a live edge, mm-hmm. basically. But slabs are, you know, slabs are really expensive. Yeah. Um, so what's your go-to wood glue? Brandon type. That's from Connor, Fallen O Custom on Instagram. I'm a type on three, man. Yeah. Well, Brand, I, I agree with you. I'm type bond all the way. But I don't know. Maybe it's just a generation gap. I'm, I'm type bond one. Oh my god! <laughs> I love it's just too I thick. Love, it's too I damn love, thick. Love to. I love telling Jeff how how much I like Type on One. I just I can't use that stuff. Even the two sucks. You can't even spread it with your finger. It's so thick. Just like your finger gets like stuck. You know. You notice I'm adapting to Type on Three. I'm adapting. I'm finally. Getting a feel for how much type on three to put on the joints. Yeah. Because it's a whole different thing. Yeah. You need less. Yeah. Because um, the squeeze out comes out easier. Yeah. Like. But I feel like it also penetrates the surface of the wood better because it's less viscous. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm flexible, but if I was left uh, on my own on a desert island and I could only have one glue. <laughs> Well, I don't know. On a desert island, I've been counting a lot of water, so I might have to go for the type mm, on three. Yeah, that's one of the other benefits about yeah. three is it is waterproof. Yeah. And I don't know. The color to me is just more appropriate for wood. It like is. Where they got that that the yellow. yellow orange color of type on like if you're gluing a pine maybe, but I mean you can't glue walnut with type on one. If if I had one reason to switch that would be it because the the type on one really dries orange just about. Yeah. And it's ugly. You got to get rid of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, God forbid you have some kind of glue line. Yeah. You know, the type on three is like a grayish brown. Mm-hmm. So it's really good for walnut, sapili, even white oak. Yeah. Everything compared to the one. Yeah. It's better. And two, I don't know. A lot of the trim guys I worked yeah. with used two. What's the benefit of two over one? It's water resistant. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You you know which glue I used uh, I liked, but I didn't like the smell was that fish glue. You ever try that? No, I thought about it and and uh, high glue. Yeah. You know what I like is the worth five gallon pail, the cheapest <laughs> stuff that they sell. That white glue. Yeah. <laughs> That's because you got used to it over at the at the TCC. <laughs> I do like white glue. <laughs> you you just enjoy filling up the little glue bottles out of the five the gallon. Five gallon, yeah. That's a you want to sweat a little bit as it gets near the top. Yeah, oh yeah. You gotta roll that. Yeah, like a, roll like it a big over. wine bottle. <laughs> yeah, that's a skill all to itself. We got another uh, patron question here. It's from Matt. First okay. do construction on Instagram. Do you focus on jobs in the order they are received, or do you prioritize outside versus inside versus shop work to account for the seasons? Now, Matt is in, I want to say, Wisconsin. Uh-huh. He's first do construction on Instagram. Mm-hmm. 
wonder what that means first, do. I was wondering that. His uh his logo is almost like a firefighter. Huh. Like shield. Yeah. Well, we pretty much go by who pays first. Yeah. You know, so I guess that's in order they're received. Because, mm-hmm. like, we get jobs that come in, and then we'll do the design work, and somebody will, they'll sort of be jobs, but people have not written the big check. They're not right? like, okay, yeah, we're doing it. Yeah, well, so they'll just sit on the burner um, until that occurs. Yeah, until there's 10%, you don't have a spot. Right. That's basically the rule. Yeah. Um, and then we're all in on that job and we kind of, I, I, I can't think of any time where we sort of juggled anything around, um, cause it was cold or hot. I mean, we might within that job do something different, but yeah, um, the jobs generally take a while. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and we got air conditioning and heat in the shop. So the most that could really, uh, you know, influence what's going on with us is the the trip between the shop and the client's yeah place. Um, you know, like right now we have two jobs going on simultaneously, but it 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 always goes in order of like when we start the job. Yeah, I, it's hard yeah. to. Well, we have that big metal piece getting powder coated. Right. So we're, there's a bunch of waiting uh, stuff. For stuff that's outside our control. Yeah. Those ropes are on the literal slow boat from China. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're filling in the gaps with two yeah. jobs. And we knew that there was going to be some overlap there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's always just whoever gets in the deposit first. And people have schedules, so it's always like, mm-hmm. all right, yeah, we're we're uh, we're good to go. We, we need to be installed by the end of July. And then, you know, then we fit it into the schedule right. as needed. Yeah. There might be a job that, like the uh, the Dutch door, we had been paid for that, but we didn't start that for a while because they weren't going to be ready for it. So mm-hmm. um, there are situations where we place a project in a schedule, you know, that's not the first open slot. But for the most part, it's just whatever is the first availability. Yeah. is. Yeah. That's when people want that's it. That's when we work. Oh, I like this next question. When a good song comes on, do you bust out dancing in the shop? Nick Trayer on Instagram, he wants to know. <laughs> I don't think we're much uh, of dancers. No, we're more of the headbanger variety. Um, and we have been known to squeak out a few lyrics. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I sing along to most songs, I think. Yeah. Or whistle. The closest I come to dancing is when, like, Killing in the Name comes on. Then I'll start jumping around. Get a little, little yeah, a little yeah. Uh, grooving going, but. Yeah. <laughs> no actual dancing. No. Dancing would be a, a disservice to the word dancing. Yes. <laughs> we we more likely start our own little mosh pit yeah. than, <laughs> than must have any true dance moves. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's definitely a lot of head bobbing going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Because we're both big, big music fans. Yeah, we love the music. Um, Wait, that, I feel like everybody says that. Ah, I love music. No. Yeah, I mean, I think but it's we just really human. Do, yeah. yeah, that's just human nature. But um, um, you're. Yeah, I mean, big, you're a musician. And I yeah. have a a big. I'm not a musician, but I have a serious interest in music. Yeah, so. you're an aficionado. I would say a true aficionado. Um, so yes, it if the 
music isn't coming out of the speakers. Something, it's like there's a void. Yeah, yeah, we've been having issues with it the past couple of days. Um, so uh, the answer is uh, kind of a no on that yeah, one. Yeah, kind of like a half-assed. Yeah. <laughs> we bust out something, just not dancing. <laughs> yeah, like a white dad at a barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes like if if I'm working and I and I'm in, running a tool or something and I pause and I hear like in, in walks Barbarella by Clutch, I'll stop what I'm doing and I'll go like really crank it oh, up yeah. and, and not do anything until the song's over. Oh, yeah. I'm the kind of guy I'll sit in my car to hear the end of the song. <laughs> yeah. So there are there's there are a few songs that really uh our shop favorites that we mm-hmm. do, like just stop what we're doing yeah. to enjoy, um, like uh, promoter by Clutch. Yes, yes, which they don't put in the rotation enough. No, they play a bunch of stuff we don't yeah. want to hear, but not that song. We we definitely sing along to that one. Oh yeah, <laughs> I like this one for miles. I put a call out this morning to the patrons. I said, "Listen, we got a lack of meaty questions. <laughs> Send some over." Um. What's a tool you were super excited about, but after getting it, wait, sorry. What's a tool you were super excited about getting, but once you had it, you didn't really ever use it? For Miles, one of our patrons, E-Trink, wine guy on Instagram. <laughs> My scraper plane. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> because, you know... By the time I got it, I, I had a, I learned what it was, and it really wasn't what I needed. Yeah, um, you know, it was something I bought in in uh, in innocence and uh, you know ignorance, based on the title of it. It does look sort of like a rough, right, like a rough tool, but it's actually a finish. You know, right, a and then tool. by the time it came, like, oh, you know, after I wish I would have read that before I bought this. Uh, expensively Nielsen playing, but it's it's a nice possession, I'll say. Oh yeah, should sure. any Lee Nielsen? Yeah. Um, what was I super excited about? Hmm. I don't know. I'm pretty obsessive over my purchases, so like yeah. I, I really. I think about it and I'll mull over it and put it in my cart and then wait a couple of weeks and then put it back in. And so I don't know if I've had anything that, I mean, I bought stuff and, and not use it cause like the situation hasn't come up. Mm-hmm. And maybe there, we could expand the, the circumstances we've gotten stuff that we, once we, we were excited about getting it, but the, uh, um, the real tool wasn't didn't meet our expectations. That's happened a couple yeah. of times. Oh, actually, when I, when I uh, read this, I thought of this the uh, the hinge boring machine. Mm-hmm. We bought that super excited because it was such a good price. Alec, one of the patrons, Alhead Woodco, um, guy that made the coasters and the cups and all that, he gave us a heads up. We went and bought that for a really good price, and we. We've only used it to try it out. Right. We we just haven't had a job since then that needed. Like that a lot many, of yeah. hinges boards, so we just bore them by hand. Um, so I'd say that's the one that sticks out the most to me. That's a great answer, yeah. Um, and probably the most appropriate. 
It's just sitting there. Yeah. But when that next kitchen comes up, we're going right. to fire that baby up and bore all those damn holes. Yeah, because when we have, like, three doors, four doors, even, well, the, the that that big cabinet going up, uh, where's, where's that? Where's the, the wine stuff? What town is that? It begins with an L. Livingston. Livingston. That's only three doors. It's only three doors because two of them are fixed mm-hmm. on the appliances. Yeah, so it's just easier to do it by hand. Yeah. All right. Uh, here's, here's an appropriate question. Do you guys use the dog tongue oil from Real Milk Paint Co.? If so, do you use the dog half? If so, do you use the dog half? What does that mean? That's what they call it. It's, it's pre-mixed. Oh. Half tongue oil and half oh. uh, thinner. Oh, you okay. Know, uh, solvent. Yeah, I get it. So do we got it? Uh, I should have put dark half in quotations. Yeah, Vince, he's asking. Yeah, we use it. Yep. Yeah, but we do not buy the dark half. Yeah. So we buy, we'll buy a gallon of um, dark tongue oil and a gallon of citrus solvent, mm-hmm. and we just mix it ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same price, but gives us more flexibility if we want to have a thinner coat or a or a thicker coat, whatever. Yeah, I like it on cherry. Yeah, oh yeah. Tends to, you know, give it a little bit more of that pre-aging. Mm-hmm. I like it on white oak. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for anybody that doesn't know what that is, I mean, what makes it dark? It's got like a carbon something or another. Yeah, we looked that up that one time, yeah, didn't we? It's like basically like they add some sort of carbon... Not like charcoal, but something kind of. Yeah, it's all natural still. Yeah, Um, and it's it's kind of like almost the color of this beer, isn't it? Or is it darker Mm. than that? I mean, the dark tongue oil itself is like black. Oh, before we thin it. Yeah, and then it's like maybe like looks like Guinness almost. Yeah, like when you when there's a good bit of it, it's black. But then if you like was to pour it out, were to pour it out. You'd be able to see through it. It's kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Give it a try. Yeah, this is almost what the regular tongue oil looks like. Oh, yeah. It's um, not like that fake-ass tongue oil that you guys buy at the hardware store that, you know, is, like, clear. <laughs> like, yeah, this is tongue oil. Well, that's actually a... <laughs> that's linseed oil and mineral spirits and maybe a dash of tongue oil for, for flavor. Good measure. Yeah. Oh, here's uh, a good one. We got here. Oh, it's from our buddy Jack. Jack Thornton, 98, out in Australia, who uh, confirmed the dimensions on that big desk. Oh, yeah. I forget what they were. But. Was he mixing centimeters and millimeters, mm. or was it all millimeters? I don't remember. Uh, do you got, uh, sorry. What method do you use to keep track of schedule and planning, computer or pen and paper? I like a a little chunk of wood, yeah, and a pencil, preferably one that could get lost easily. <laughs> you know, our jobs kind of just uh, there's like an end date, and then there's just the two of us, and we're pretty competent, and we just kind of at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, we go, "What do you think? You know, you want to try and do X, Y, Z tomorrow." Mm-hmm. 
So it's kind of neither almost. Yeah. It's very uh, organic arrangement. Yeah, I mean, there is no, like, no physical schedule exists. Mm -hmm. There is no calendar that says, we did try that with, like, a planning, a a, a blotter calendar and, like, putting them on there. But it kind of just became, like, a wasted effort. It was no effort, but just a waste of time because... It is what it is. We start the job, and then when it's yeah. done, it's done. Is there's two of us? Something needs to get done. Get you know, your ass account- over there and do it. Yeah, we account <laughs> on the schedule for like that's the worst case scenario. If yeah. it's taken us till the day that it's we said it was gonna come, then that means that everything went wrong and we're behind <laughs> schedule. Like so, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that's part of being. Uh, I don't want to say this. Not being good at at this job, but like having doing this for your work and enjoying it and being happy and putting out good work, you can't be under this strict schedule because it 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 uh drowns the creativity and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you need to have enough time to do it. Yeah. Like if if you constantly have this deadline breathing down your neck, you start making uh, compromises on the quality and all that stuff. Shortcuts. So, yeah, it it you need to give yourself ample time. If that means taking a little bit less pay, yeah, then that's what it is. You know, yeah. we we pay ourselves less than most guys. I I think. Yeah. And we take longer to do things, so it evens out. Yeah. And we reinvest in the company, and yeah. Um. So we're 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 somewhat. Uh, I wouldn't say long-sided, but we're medium-sided on things. You know, we want to uh, exist in a, in a happy frame of mind mm-hmm. and uh, keep the company solid. Yeah, a couple, you know, extra hundred bucks a week in my paycheck when I get home and I'm stressed and it's it, not worth no, it. No, no, I'd rather just yeah, we it don't be the way it is. Exactly. All right, uh, I'll read this next one. Uh, <laughs> Oh, okay. How do you set off. up how do you set up your table saw blade for a bevel cut? Table saw gauge, combination square, digital gauge, or something else? Is it is this the rest of the question yep, over yeah, here? Yeah, it keeps going. All right. And this is uh it's from David Shoemaker, one of our patrons. He also wants to know how do you make miter cuts on the table saw with the miter gauge, the table saw sled? I think you were talking about this on uh, the episode with audio <laughs> issues. <laughs> yeah. And some missed some of what you said. If you primarily use the sliding table on the saw stop, what did you use before? All right. That's a good, thorough question. Yeah. So primarily we use two things. If it's just sort of an arbitrary bevel, it doesn't need to be dead nuts whatever the angle is, then we just use the gauge on the saw. Mm-hmm. If I'm making a molding, I might just eyeball it. 17 yeah. and three quarter degree. It doesn't matter what it is. Right. Um, if it needs to be exact, I default to the angle cube, the digital, you know, it's a Wixy. You can zero it out and then put it on the blade and, yeah. and uh, measure the angle. I like that. Um, I know some people like those bridge city, uh, deals <laughs> where you set it and then put the blade up to it. I I don't I never trust putting a square up to a blade. 
because depending on the angle that you approach the blade with the square, you're mm-hmm. you're changing the angle, the actual angle. Um, so yeah, those those are the two ways that I do it. And then for cutting miters, we have a dedicated forty five degree sled, and then sometimes we use the the saw stop sliding table. Sometimes we use the the miter gauge. It, yeah. it all depends on the situation. Sometimes we make a sled. Yeah, a lot of single purpose. Single use sleds. Yeah, like if it has to be dead accurate, repeatable, then the best way is to do a sled. Yeah. Um, if it if you're cutting two angled cuts, then just use the saw stop thing. Yeah, I don't I don't have too much to add to that. I love that little cube mm-hmm. because it's got a little magnet in it. Yep. You zero it out. I it, think it's on three or four sides too. That yeah. magnet. You just put it on the table, then put it on the blade. Mm-hmm. It's super easy, and it's very foolproof. Because, uh, in the, again, I'll refer back to the golden ages. I used to do the thing where you're just sliding something up to the blade. you got to make sure it's not hitting any of the teeth. Yeah, yep. Um, and depending on how you're holding it, you might see a crack of daylight through there or not. Um, and typically uh, that's going to be close enough for what you're doing but if you really want to get uh, precise i don't think anything beats that little cube right um and yeah sleds i agree with jeff uh, i rarely use the the um, the cross cut on the saw for anything that other than a 90 degree yeah we don't really move that we have that uh jessam yeah rock you know rockler branded jessam that uh, we've used that in the past, that's too. That's true. And that's another thing. We'll set that up as almost like a sled. You know what I mean? Like, we'll mm-hmm. set it, lock it in, yeah, put a clamp yeah. on it, yep. and, and all that other stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't even trust the flip stops, to be honest. <laughs> I'll put a clamp no. on the other side of the flip stop so it doesn't move. Yeah. I try and square up all ends and then, turn, you know, turn and cut everything to length if it has to be that exact. Oh, right. Oh, look at this. We're getting philosophical on the next question. Yeah, we got one here from Justin, Justin De Palma, another Jersey guy. Is it better to be a woodworker or say you're a woodworker? That is the question. <laughs> Long live woodpecker. <laughs> See, I love a guy who understands that this is not to be taken too seriously, mm-hmm. this whole woodpecker thing. Yeah. Because it really is all in jest. I mean, Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Wow. Of course it's better to be. Oh, yeah. You get the benefits of being and saying. <laughs> but if you if you really, I mean, if you're really a woodworker, you're not really out there saying. I mean, what the only time we ever say it, you know, outside, you know, our social media promotion is when somebody directly asks us, what do you do for a living? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and... Um, I guess the people saying that they're woodworkers are just like a facsimile of a woodworker too. It's like yeah. there's no one that doesn't do anything right. related to woodworking saying that they're I think that's really what he's sort of aiming at. It's like a lot of the social media posers and things yeah. like that. Somebody who, um, you know, does some things, you know, make a, makes a shoeshine box and... Mm-hmm. Uh, is not in the same category as somebody who's making a dining room chair. 
Go get your shine box. <laughs> and and we like to we like to uh, know that there's some differentiation between the two. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there definitely is. <laughs> so it's better to be always better to be. Yeah, that sounds like some Yoda might say. Yeah. Ooh, Miles, star of the show today. Yeah, roundovers or chamfers. Favorites. See how favorites is spelled. <laughs> He's a Brit, huh? Australian. <laughs> what do you like to use and when? I'm going to default to the chamfer about 98% of the time. Yeah. Um, I just like the way it looks better. Even a broken, a hard broken chamfer to me looks better than a roundover. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just more refined to me. I don't know. Roundover. I don't know, there's just something about it. I like a broken chamfer. Yeah. I I mean, I love going back over it by hand, you know, and get sort of that slightly irregular kind of thing. I mean, not irregular to the point where you see it, but just so it looks like a, a person touched it mm-hmm. um, as opposed to it being totally machine cut. Uh, of course, that you know, on circumstances and the size of the chamfer. I mean, like a small chamfer. Yeah, yeah. Um, the big ones where it's like a design element, I like to keep them crisp. But now I'm not a big fan of the roundover. No, I mean, like we did eighth inch roundovers on the that walnut countertop. Mm-hmm. It makes sense in it's a just a softer. Yeah, it's, yeah that's more in a commercial of like a, environment. Yeah, a uh, a function over form kind of thing because people are going to be leaning up against it, and uh, you know the the softer that transition is, probably the better. We could have even gone up to like a quarter inch or a half inch, but just aesthetically, I think an eighth inch was the best. Yeah, you know, compromise between function and form. Yeah, so we're we're both in the champ for camp. Yeah. I wonder what he likes to use. But anything else a favorite outside the champ fear? No, that's the star of the show. I mean, even with a block plane, that's that's what you're making. Yeah. I like the knockdown edge too, you know, yeah. which is kind of a, a chamfer. Depending yeah. on like what's going on. I like a you know, to take the plane to it and mm-hmm. just kind of uh, hit it, hit a little sandpaper. I like that a lot of times on my doors, as opposed to the round over on the doors. That's really yeah, I don't no. like that. Yeah, just a sandpaper broken yeah, edge. Yeah. All right. <laughs> laughing at this next question. What do you do when you hire someone who doesn't know what they're doing? I I was gonna say what the hell they're doing. Uh, what do you do? That's from Keith. Our good buddy Keys would just uh, helped us out with a project, Blackthorn Concepts, on Instagram. Yeah, Keith is poking fun at himself here on this one because he, uh, <laughs> we had Keith CNC at this watch face for us for a buddy of mine's company, um, and it it gave him a lot of trouble. So his, I think his confidence is That's a little shaken. Yeah. Um, he feels better just getting that thing out of his yeah. out of his house, though, doesn't he? Yeah, don't blame him. Um, <laughs> you know, the fact of the matter is that, I mean, every job that we do, we don't know what we're doing because yeah. we purposely 
add yeah. something in that we yeah. don't know how to do. Um, so all of our clients are basically hiring someone who doesn't know what they're doing. Like the rope wall. Yeah. I mean, that's a simple yeah, the tree example. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we're bringing in our talents from previous jobs, adding a little salt and pepper on the top and hoping that we can come up with the concoction for the new job. Yeah. And it's not even a hope. It's a, yeah. it just is what it is. We make yeah. it work. We always make it work. So yeah, we haven't not done it. That's the thing. Yeah. All the critiques that Keith has, you know, about the, the final product of the CNC thing, like, that's how it goes. Yeah. We now we adapt. Yeah. And we just And we'll we, get, we're gonna polish that thing up. Right. Um and you know, I prefer it that way. Yeah. Me too. I mean it keeps things interesting. It's nice every now and then, like I was saying, we did that cherry piece and the Dutch door and they're so heavily uh technical. Maybe not well, the Dutch door I guess was too, but they were heavily technical and very um refined. And now we're doing like some of this TFL work for the commercial and stuff. And it, it's a welcome respite because, you know, that was physically and mentally exhausting doing a lot of that <laughs> stuff on those last two jobs. So, you know, it's nice every now and then to have a break and to do um, something that's a little easier. But Right, like the tree is what we say it is. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, they don't have to fit something inside that tree and make yeah. sure that it works. Yeah. And Keith was cracking up because he said, well, how big do you want? I said, "What? they're going to get what they get. Yeah. <laughs> he said, man, the way you guys work. <laughs> um, you want to read this next one from Vince? Yes. Have you heard anything good or bad about the new line of South Bend tools from Vince, one of our uh, patrons, Rob Vince P on Instagram? It's curious. We When we were hunting around for a planer, we inquired about one. Yeah. Um, and we had just heard about, you know, Grizzly sort of acquiring the name. Right, right. Um, but we haven't heard anybody who's actually owned one, whether they have an opinion on it or not. No. Um, it looks like it's all coming out of the same exact factory. Yeah, it's anything in that Grizzly, Jet, Powermatic, they're all... It's all coming out of the same Taiwanese factory or factories. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're being made on the same block. Yeah. Um, they, they all go at the end of the line, at the end of the production line, they all go off to a different paint booth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, that's about it. So, you know, are there different components inside all these tools? Absolutely. You know, I know they use different bearings and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. um, the, the basic... Anatomy of the tool is going to be identical to most of the Grizzly stuff. Are they using higher quality components? Maybe, maybe yeah. not. That's usually what. That's usually the the gimmick I'll call it yeah. of of these lines of tools where they'll they'll add better bearings on one or you know different gearbox in another something yeah. to to justify the higher cost. Mm -hmm. Uh, while the remainder of the tools more or less benefits from the economy of scale. Yeah, the castings for the for the beds, mm -hmm. you know, like a planer are the same. Yeah. The, the housing for the, the cutter head. Um, like I will say, the Powermatic, it seems like it's a better quality than... It know, feels, the, you can feel the difference, yeah. yeah. Um, so maybe there's something else going on internally. Mm -hmm. um, but... 
We haven't heard anything. Um, you know us. We're highly opinionated. If we hear something, <laughs> we'll be talking about it <laughs> for whatever that's worth. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, we did consider the South Bend. Yeah. But, you know, we were just... There's there's very little data, so yeah, that's was, why we went with the Powermatic. Yeah, it was a we could have got a 20 inch South South Bend, but uh, you know I forgot all about that whole Oliver ordeal. Until yeah, just yeah, they. I mean, we were pretty uh, annoyed by it for a, a while there. Yeah, but uh, we're bigger men. Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a repeat from last week. <laughs> from Keith K. Kolbeka, K-L-B-E-C-K-A, yeah. on Instagram. Favorite tool in the shop. Wow. I'm, I'm going to go uh, with the uh, saw stop. I'm just going to go back to my last week answer, the pencil. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you want to expound on that at all? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much more I could say than I said last week. Yeah. My favorite tool right now um, is is the saw stop. You know, it goes goes in phases, I'm sure. And I used the Unisaw for almost my whole professional life, I'll mm -hmm. say. Um, I never got, I loved that saw because, you know, you, when you use something over and over. I never got used to similar saws over at Tom's place. He has a couple of. Uh, Unisaws, yeah. right? Uh, is the one in the back a Unisaw, or is that something else? I think it might be. Um, but there, oh, it's got a Beesmeyer fence. Yeah, it's not I, a Powermatic, is it? I don't think so. I think it's a Unisaw with a Beesmeyer. Yeah, I never got used to it. Um, there was something about mine that I really enjoyed. Well, his blade height didn't yeah. lock. <laughs> I mean, it, his was a piece of crap. I That's mean, it's a professional was, shop. What do you do? Yeah, you need a blade height adjustment. It, that thing was running to the ground. Put a clamp on it. Yeah. But getting the saw stop really was an, a notch up from my uh, Unisaw. Uh -huh. And I don't care about the safety technology. Just meaning the, the machining of it and everything like that. Yeah. It's just a, So I really enjoy using it. Um, and because it's the center of a shop like ours, it, it's something you use a lot. Yeah. So that's my favorite tool right now. Yeah, I guess, you know, maybe I'll give a I'll give another one. I, the Contoro. Yeah. Um, I mean, it just made what was a, a literal living nightmare. <laughs> yeah. We we had our head in our hands. Like we're like, what the hell? Are I was we ready to do? punch a hole through the window. To it just was so easy. And we did uh, 18 four-inch wide pieces, two sides, eight feet long. And it was just like a breeze. Like, oh, yeah. this is so easy. It was, there were so many, um, you know, starts and stops with the other machine, you mm -hmm. know, things binding up, too much glue, not enough glue, this and every little thing that could go wrong. So it was so much inconsistency. That's what made it so frustrating. Yep. Um, it wasn't like, oh... Uh, I got the glue just where it's supposed to be now, and then two pieces later, it's it's off again. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe because the temperature was fluctuating, so it was fooling with the viscosity of the glue. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought you might say the contour because 
you did the bulk of that stuff and I could see you really, you know, enjoying it. Even though it was a lot of repetitive stuff, there is a challenge to it and, and oh, learning yeah, that, yeah. that getting the finesse right. Um, mm -hmm. you know, so you were intent on that. All right. What would Green Street Joinery design and build if you guys were financially free? That's from Bryce, who has got the best name on Instagram. <laughs> Waffle Beaver. Oh, God. That's, Where that's would you a start? hard, hard uh, question to answer because it would be so spur of the moment, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, well, this week I wanted to build a chair. Next week it's a whatever, a bed or a cabinet. A, yeah. I think that would be the beauty of being financially free and just building stuff on spec is there doesn't have to be all this planning and forethought. It's sort of just spontaneous. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go big. Timber frame house. Mm. Timber frame house for me. <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't really, uh, it doesn't tickle my fancy. Yeah. Um, I did go on that, uh, retreat of, uh, that paid, uh, paid class thing where we built a timber frame for somebody. And, um, mm -hmm. uh, I've been enthralled with the idea. Yeah. I mean, I like the idea of a timber yeah. frame house, but I don't know. It's yeah. just kind of a lot of joints. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Um, but how many joints are there? Yeah. Well, a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. You're really, but you're only building the frame, you know, so. Yeah. But it, it is, it's a lot. It took, um, I'm going to guess there were probably 10 or 12 people there at the time. It was a while ago, and it took a week. Well, it was only going to be two of us, so. Yeah. Yeah, so you know me. I like to, I, I like to shoot off my mouth a little bit, dream big. You get it two weeks in, you get sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just put this off the side for 15 years. <laughs> Can we scale this down to a gazebo? <laughs> a pergola? <laughs> yeah. I would default to just like I. my first thing would probably be like a suite of furniture like we talk about like all the Morris, time. Morris living room stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know. Couch, a couple chairs, table. Yeah. Some footstools. Something like that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. Like several different things, but all tied into the same mm -hmm. sort of theme. Yeah. Closest thing I ever did like that was those three pieces for Anon. Mm -hmm. The two dressers and the bed. But yeah. I, I tell you, there were uh, 15 drawers. I was a little bit tired of drawers by the time yeah. that was all said and done. <laughs> that was just two pieces. Be ordering from our new source yeah, that's of right. next time. <laughs> I mean... It, making a drawer box and, and fitting it and all that stuff is great. It's There's so much pleasure in it. But when it starts getting into those multiples like that, it's it's really a chore. Everything in moderation. Yeah, it's really a chore. Um, so this is our last question. Is this going to be uh, discussed in... Um, oh, yeah, we don't have a question of the week. Shit. For a question of the week, we may have to... No, this one's not... Yeah, so this is this is a uh, what kind of expansion contraction can you expect from slab cabinet doors? And uh, we're we're doing some slab cabinet doors, aren't we? On those uh, on that uh, credenza, we'll yeah. call it. That's from Jason. 
who's known as Timber Talent on Instagram? Um, I mean, it's very material specific. specific. Yeah. Now, if you're talking about something like MDF, you're going to have expansion in all directions. Mm-hmm. You're talking about something like wood, depending on the species and the cut, you're going to have different levels of movement. Um, something like what's a, a highly moving wood like maple, uh, flat sawn maple, like it's going to move more than quarter sawn oak yeah, or like quarter sawn fir is going to barely move. And quarter sawn pine is going to barely move. Um, that's a surprise for a lot of folk. Yeah. Pine. Yeah. Softwoods actually move less than hardwoods. Um, I mean, there's charts that you can look yeah. up. We always default back to that because it's really, it's, these are data driven, um, mm-hmm. um, outcomes. Like it all has to do with species, size, cut, humidity, finish, even relative humidity of the wood. Yeah. The finish. Um, so it's hard to give like a blanket statement. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, we do inset stuff, and on the on the big end of the scale, we're leaving an eighth-inch gap. Yeah. Um, that depends on, you know, what we're doing, whether it's painted or mm-hmm. the season. Um, I used to, you know, have to worry about that before I joined the 21st century and got air conditioning <laughs> in the shop. But, yeah, check it out online. That's That's your Bible there. Go online. You can get definitive answers. Yeah. And you need to have good data about your wood. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we don't have moisture a... Moisture content. Yeah, we don't have a moisture meter. Well, we did. Rob lent it out to somebody. Never came back. <laughs> um, but, you know, you get a feel for, for where things are uh, once you get them in your shop and you've, you know, worked in that condition enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you need to have good data on the wood to be able to extrapolate these numbers and see how much movement you're going to actually get. Right. But there is hard, there are hard numbers that you can yes. get. And some of it will have to do with even the size of the pieces that you're gluing up. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of those differences are, are infinitesimal, mm-hmm. but it's all good uh, information to have in your pocket. Yeah. So uh, we've got we've gotten to the thoughts on the beer of the week, which we've pretty much uh, gone over at the top of the hour. Yeah, uh, they're both empty glasses. So we we drank a beer and a half, which is a lot for us. Although these were twelve ounce cans. Yeah, we're usually having bigger. Yeah, and this is low test. I know. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't feel it like I usually do. Doesn't even say, but it's got to be four or five. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It was good, enjoyable, yeah, yeah. nothing special, but it was in the icebox. That's right. It was cold. And it hit the spot. So you, you want to thank our patrons and uh Yeah, we'll give a shout out to our gold tier patrons, Jerry Greenan, David Murphy, Manny Siriani, Dustin Fair, Adam Podhast, David Shoemaker, and Colin Lye. Yeah, thanks baby. guys. So we'll see uh, all you patrons over in the question of the week, although we don't have a question of the week. We're going to have to come up with something. Yeah, we'll make something up. Yeah. Our quest, our name in the capital yeah, of Yeah, maybe Assyria. we'll go and we'll look up a Dairy Queen in the Midwest <laughs> and read the reviews. 
because we had oh. done that before, <laughs> and it was pretty good. Everybody take care. See you next week. <laughs>